Woo! Things change when you celebrate. Right? Right? Things shift when we worship the one who needs worshiped. When we celebrate, things change. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see your beautiful faces in the room today. If you're joining us online, thanks for joining with our church family as we worship. All right, church family, let's stand up. Let's raise our hands. God, we invite you to have your way. God, we celebrate you. We honor you. We lift your name high. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you're in control. And so, God, as we continue to worship you, we invite you to have your way. We pray that the enemy's strongholds will be broken. God, we pray that addictions would fall off. God, that we pray that you would bring healing and that you would just restore the areas that you want to restore. And so, God, we worship you, we thank you, we bless you, and we will continue to worship you. So, for a moment, I want you to think about that picture of Jesus on the cross, that vulnerability, that surrender to his own life. What does that picture look like to you? It cost him his life so that we could be free. The one that holds the universe in his hands did whatever it took so that we could be free. And in this moment, we are declaring, I'm going to make room in my heart for you to do whatever you want to. And I'm going to ask you, what is the picture of vulnerability look like to you? To be vulnerable before the Lord, to be surrendered before the Lord. What does it look like to make room for the Lord in your life to do whatever he wants to? Does it look like you forgive your brother? Does it look like you surrender a portion of your finances? Does it look like you lay down your anxieties to him? Does it look like you turn towards your spouse and you open up your heart to them? Does it look like in your workplace you share the gospel? Does it look like you bow your knee before the Lord and you say, not I, but you are the one that will be in control of this life. I will not be in control. And so for a moment, we're going to face this language of, I will turn my heart to you. Whatever it takes, do whatever you want to. There's a picture of surrender in the room. And if you don't know what it looks like for you to be that vulnerable and for you to be that surrendered, match what it looked like for Jesus to be on the cross. Match your heart to that. Match your mind to that. Match yourself to that spirit that overcame sin, that overcame death. And so God, for a moment, we enter into the grace of the picture of the cross, of the finished work of the cross, and we're going to stop, and we're going to make ourselves vulnerable And we're going to surrender to you. Our hearts are open and exposed to you. 
and we surrender those things we've been holding on to. We surrender our grudges, we surrender our fears, and we move into the grace of the finished work of the cross. And we would ask God that in this moment, you would finish the good work that you started in us through the surrender that's happening in the room. You know, vulnerability is quite scary. But God covers us in our vulnerability. God covers us in our surrender. The blood of Jesus, the same blood that he shed on the cross, is here, present in the room today. And I just want to say, if you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I want to invite you to do that right now. He is the one that will set you free. And he is the one that will move you into the abundant life. And so, Jesus, here we are, surrendered unto you. We desire that you would move in our hearts. We desire that you would move in this church. We desire that your will would be done in this city. We desire that your kingdom would come in the country of Canada. We desire that from sea to shining sea, your glory would be made known. And let it start with our surrender today, God. Move in our hearts. Move in our hearts as we surrender unto you. And let our worship show how surrendered we are. Let our language show how surrendered we are. Let our actions show how surrendered we are. Show us, Lord, and teach us, we pray. Surrender is pivotal to our journey. I want to declare right now, I know that Jesus is healing people across the land today. At this very moment, He is healing people. He is delivering people. At this very moment, salvation is flooding across this land. Let me declare this. Jesus is moving. Father God, I pray right now as we surrender to you, these individual components, whatever it is that we're laying down in this moment, surrenders what opens the gate. Surrender opens the gates for you to come and touch our hearts. So Father God, right now again, as we are singing this, we surrender whatever it is that you're calling us to lay down. We lay it down at your throne room. I don't know if you can feel that, but surrender is like a key. Once we take that posture and we surrender everything to Him, all of a sudden those doors can begin to be open. So Father, I pray healing across this room today. Right now, if your body is in a place where you need healing, just lift your hand to the Lord. Father, for those that need healing today, touch their bodies right now in this house, God. Father, I pray for arms. I pray for legs. I pray for minds. Father God, I pray that you would come in, that you would begin to heal, that you would begin to heal, that you would begin to heal. Father God, for those that need financial breakthrough, I want you to lift your hand up. Father, right now, for those that need financial breakthrough, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that it would fall upon each household in Jesus' name. 
Let the finances flow, Father God. Let that door open up in Jesus' name, Father. Father, for broken hearts, I feel there's some in in the room today, your heart's a little broken. And I feel like some of you said, I've surrendered a lot. Jesus is not going to abandon you. Father, for broken hearts right now, heal the broken hearts. Heal the broken hearts in Jesus' name. I declare right now that you have hope in Jesus' name. You have hope in Jesus' name. I believe we we hit something today. Surrender is not an easy thing to do. In most cases, it's the last thing we want to do. There's something inside of us that we're just built to fight, and there's a part of that that's good. But when it comes to our journey with Jesus, it's all about surrender. It's all about handing everything to Him so He can take the reins. And once He takes the reins, something begins to shift. Amen? You know, I've got so many things in my heart. It was so funny. Uh, The last couple months, God's been challenging me and speaking to me about a lot of stuff. And let me tell you, my heart's just been burdened for our nation. I don't know, is anybody your heart burdening for our nation? Right? And I'm not just talking about Canada. When I look at the world today, my heart is burdened. Right? And so when I look at that, you know, there is a temptation sometimes inside of us just to kind of ignore everything that's going on. And just to kind of climb into our world a bit. And I just... I just can't do that. And so I've been feeling something inside my heart, and I've been asking the Lord, Lord, there's got to be a strategy and a plan for today. How many believe there is? Right? There's got to be a strategy, and there's got to be a plan for today. For what we're seeing happen in our culture, for the changes that are happening so fast and quickly amongst us. I mean, people are shocked at the shift that's taking place in our nation. Right? And let's just be honest, people are scared to talk about it. And so I've just been asking the Lord just to, to speak to me. And I mean, so I've got notes all over here. I got my notes on here. I got my notes on here. If you want to tell me that Jesus doesn't speak, I'm going to tell you something. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he's got a lot to say on all the matters. So every single thing that you're dealing with today, He has a lot to say about it. A lot. And again, we have to honor what Paul did. You know, a few weeks ago I shared about that shipwreck. The thing that Paul did is he spent time with the Lord to get a revelation for the moment, right? That's what we need again is the revelation for the moment, amen? That's what we need. So today I don't want to bring information to you. I'm not interested in information that you can take home and say that was a good stat or a good message, right? Actually, I'm okay if, you know, you only grab maybe two or three things from this message, but that it's a revelation from God. Because my heart's desire is this, is God, today as I speak, we need revelation. You don't need me. We need the revelation from a king, right? That's what we need. It doesn't matter how it comes out. We need the revelation from a king. Let me tell you, I, 
Again, I've been stuck a little bit on this whole thing about Paul and the storm. And I want to remind people that, you remember the message? Right? I know some of you may not have been here and you're going, I don't know what he's talking about. You know, but again, when Paul was in a shipwreck, just about in a shipwreck, right? One of the things that God did is he spoke to him through an angel. He gave him a revelation and through that revelation, a centurion stopped listening to the captain and started listening to a prisoner. That's what we need to happen in every environment we're in. Is where you work, in the school systems, everywhere we are, where all of a sudden bosses are not looking to their foremen. They're starting to go to the believers for the solutions and the answers because we have a revelation from God to deliver in the moment. Amen? You see, God is not interested in the storm. Did you get that? He wasn't interested in the storm. He was interested in making himself known through the storm. That's what he wants to do. The storms that are all around us are there for a reason. Again, we know the scripture says that he allows everything bad to happen, but he'll turn it to what? He'll turn it to good. That's his desire, right? Always. And again, we know Paul wasn't in one shipwreck, right? How many shipwrecks was he in? He was in three. Because I don't think he figured it out the first two times. It doesn't talk a lot about that. But the third time he figured something out. And I feel like for some of you, you're still in that shipwreck moment. Well, maybe you need to go through a couple. But just like Paul, you're going to figure it out. And God is going to give you a revelation for the season. Amen? Amen. My screen turned off. Just a second. You know, I could put this in multiple orders. It was so funny. I, I need to show you some pictures. Let's bring those up actually real quick. Um... I stumbled upon these pictures uh, of our church. And uh, as I was looking at them, the Lord started to speak to my heart a bit. And I'll get into this a little bit later on again. But I feel like, you know, God's digging some wells of revival here. He's digging some things up. And I started going back to the 70s, you know, when this church was birthed. You know, we're two years away from our 50th, yeah. Right? Two years away from our 50th. And we're already asking, Lord, what do we need to do for our 50th? Maybe we need to invite all the pastors back that were here at one point in time. Maybe we need to invite everybody back who's been here, who's left. Just say, let's get rid of all the division and let's celebrate our king. But our 50th is coming up. And so I got going through some of these. And, you know, these pictures, to be honest with you, were in, in the newspaper here. And on there, you're just seeing a portion of them because they were, they were this big. They were entire pages in the newspaper. And so as I began to go through some of the clippings, I, I saw this one, and it was interesting because it, it caught my attention because Spruce Grove Community Church had a bus ministry. <laughs> I, that is awesome, right? And what they actually did is they would drive around Spruce Grove, and they'd pick people up who couldn't come to church, Right? I thought, that's absolutely amazing. I can't believe they did that, right? And so I know Central Pentecostal used to do this too. They used to actually have a bus, and they would drive around and pick up kids and uh, people for Sunday, whatever it was, because they're interested in actually shifting the environments. 
All right, let's see a couple of the other ones here, just so you guys can see some of this. Oh, my goodness. Now, believe it or not, this is a parade here in Spruce Grove, right? Spruce Grove Community Church, you know the Agri-Fair parade that just took place, right? Spruce Grove Community Church used to put a float at the Agri-Fair, right? And I don't know, do we have a couple of that, or is it just the one? See if there's another one there, too. Yeah, this one, too. I think that's the float right there, right? And riding horses down Main Street and all this kind of stuff, right? Which is amazing. Kids, go to the next one. Uh, now, now, this one caught my attention. Back then, and it still is an issue, but you see all the classes that they're offering there, right? I love that because at that day, evolution was the big talk, right? And the church was actually promoting, we're going to start to talk about the things that need to be talked about, Right? They weren't running away from the issues of the day. They were talking about the issues of the day, and I thought, good on them for doing this. Go to the next one there. And this one here, again, it just talks about some of the things they were doing, is they had a ministry to youth, to men and women, to alcoholics, and I thought, good on the church. What's the next one? Is there a next one? That's all of them. Anyways, I thought, we need to kind of see our history a little bit. That's right? Right? This is some of the stuff that this church was built on, right? And this isn't just about, you know, pushing an evangelistic message. What I actually caught from that and what what I want to talk a little bit more about again today is actually the importance of the church not abandoning culture. So if I have a message today, it's, it's this. It's isolation or integration. How many... You know, when I say the word isolation, how many of you say, that's a good thing? No, not too many of us. Okay, let's go a little further. But when I say the word integration, how many think that's a good thing? It depends, right? (laughs) Doesn't it? Right? And so today, I want to get into some of that because, you know, when I use the word integration, what I'm not saying is this. So get this for today. I'm not talking about conformity. Let's make that very clear. Integration is not conforming to the ways of the world. It's not becoming a seeker-sensitive church, right? It's none of those things, right? It's a little bit different, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. But I want to touch on a few things. Uh, I feel like, you know, even with what Pastor Mark spoke about last week, um, it left an impact on me. I don't know if it left an impact on you. And one of the questions he asked is, is who are we willing to pursue, and are we pursuing the king first and foremost? Right? I mean, Pastor Mark does preach on that quite a bit. Are we pursuing the king? Are we pursuing Jesus? Right? Or is there something else that's got our attention? And one of the things I I know God has been speaking, that when I look at this world, this is huge. It's really all about this. Right? I remember when Jen and I used to travel with the Watoto Children's Choir. We traveled all around England, the United States, and Canada. We had 18 orphans with us, and we had 12 African adult people that were touring with us. And I remember as we went through all these places, we've been, we were in places like New York City, we were in places like San Francisco, you know, in London, all over the place. And I remember one day, 
talking to one of the adults, and I said, after doing all this traveling, do you want to move to North America? Like, would you want to move here? And I actually thought he would say, yeah, in a heartbeat, I'd love to be here. And this individual looked at me and he said, (laughs) he said, you guys have a lot of stuff, I'll give you that. But the one thing I don't see is that I just don't see Jesus. And it convicted my heart, right? Because we have so many distractions. And so Mark's really trying to tap into that last week again, or what are the things that own our heart today? What owns our heart? What have we actually been giving ourselves to? And I don't know what you did, but I went home and I actually asked myself that question. You know, and the Lord reminded me of a few things, you know, and some of the basic answers we know are right in front of us, right? Like, I mean, the entertainment realm. We all know there's a realm we get caught in, right? The sports realm. I mean, after church today, I'll be watching football all day, and there's other guys that will be doing the same thing. And we all say it's for relationship, right, Kelsey? That's what it's supposed to be about. But we like our football, right? But again, there is a line when football begins to own my hearts, when entertainment begins to own my hearts, when the things of the world begin to own my heart and they begin to take precedence over the Lord. We got a problem, right? You know, I got convicted years ago. I've shared this story before, and and maybe some of you haven't heard it, but do you know that we can actually be, be pursuing the wrong things even in church, right? And this is where it gets a little dicey at times. Because we're in church. Everything's spiritual in church, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I remember years ago, I went to uh, Brownsville, and the Lord touched my heart, and something was going on inside of me, right? And uh, they gave me a book while I was there. And uh, I've alluded to this before. If you haven't read this book, you need to read it. How many of you read The God Chasers? Right, by Tommy Tenney. Right, quite a few people, right? Like, honestly, what, what Mark was talking about last week was God chasers. It's the pursuit of the king, right? It's the pursuit of the king. And I read this book, and I absolutely love this book because, honestly, this, this is what will shift everything. When we pursue the king and we remove all the obstacles, we start to hear from Jesus, and guess what? We get a strategy and a plan of how to heal our land. We haven't got that strategy or plan yet, so it tells me something's in the way. So, God, I want that way to get clear, right? So there's some things that need to be laid down. Well, here's the problem, though. Sometimes even in church, I I just got fixated on Tommy Tenney, right? I did. I mean, Tommy Tenney did a conference uh, later. I think the next year he was in Nashville and Minnesota, and I got the church to send me there, right? And I wanted to, you know, in all honesty, I went because I wanted Tommy Tenney to pray for me. (laughs) Anybody done that? You know, you're going to church because I just want that person to pray for me. I want that anointing. I want what they got. I'm not saying it's all wrong because if God tells you to do it, it's perfectly fine, right? But if he's not telling you to do it, there might be a problem. So I went down to Nashville first, and there was no proximity. I couldn't get close to this guy, right? So we watched the services, amazing and awesome. And then I went to Minnesota for the next conference, and we got to the next conference. Tommy Tenney was there, but he was also there with uh, uh, John Kilpatrick, I believe his name was, from the Brownsville Revivals, right? 
And so uh, at this conference, they did do an altar call, right? Called everybody up. And I was like, this is my moment. I mean, I ran so fast to the altar, right? So I, I sprinted. I don't know if anybody's seen online. Someone posted something of what happened in Ottawa, right? Did anybody see that? Right? These people run into the altar in seconds. That was me. Seconds. I was sprinting to the altar. My motives were not pure. And Tommy Tenney was praying for everybody. And I watched him. He's praying. He's praying. People are getting slain in the spirit. Some people just stand there, but they're bawling and they're crying. And he's praying 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 and he's praying. And here I am. So he's praying and he gets to me and he goes like this. And he prays and he prays. I swear he hit the entire building. But he bypassed me. Right? He did. He literally went to the row I was sitting in beside three ladies. Right? Walked over to the three ladies, prayed for them all. They all get slain in the spirit in their seats. Right? And I'm sitting up there going, what just happened? Like, do I got dirt on my face? Like, what's the deal? Why did he bypass me? You know? And then all of a sudden, John Kilpatrick comes up to me. Brownsville revival guy, right? And he comes and he lays his hand on me. And I'm like, I don't want him praying for me. I'm, I'm being real. Because I don't know if we've dealt with some of this stuff in our own hearts, right? Ouch. Right? And here's a moment where God said something to me. He said, you're seeking the hand of man. Man, one of the most pivotal moments in my life. I fell on my knees in Minnesota with nobody beside me except Jesus. I wept my eyes out and repented to the Lord. Because even in church, sometimes we can put things in front of Jesus, right? Expression. We can put that in front of Jesus. Our likes, our dislikes, whatever it is, we can put it in front of Jesus. Well, he said one other thing. He talked about what are you willing to do for the one you're pursuing? That's a good question. And I thought about this as, man, we can no longer allow the invisible realm to dictate our actions. And I'm talking about the kingdom of darkness. We often allow an invisible realm to dictate what we will and won't do for the Lord. And Mark used the illustration, if God calls you to dance or whatever it is, right? I don't care what it is. When God is speaking to us, do we allow that fear to creep in? Whether it's just raising our hand in church. Or whether it's someone dancing, right? I know some people look at this and think, well, what's the point of raising your hand? What's the point of dancing? What's the point of raising a staff? When Jesus says to do something, we do something. When it's time to go pray for healing for somebody. When it's time to preach the gospel when we're at work because the Lord says something. There's a question we have to ask. What actually is controlling a heart? We're praying for breakthrough. We're praying for shift. We're praying for change. But we have to ask who actually is controlling the strings to a heart. Right? And so my heart today is to see some of those strings broken. My heart today is to see the Lord begin to move in our lives in a way that he's never moved before. 
right? And I have a belief in my heart that there are many in here today that I, I feel like some of your dreams have been shattered. I feel like some of us feel like God hasn't really used me. And we're just kind of barely getting through. But we come to church because we feel we need to come to church. I'm here today to tell you it is not over. Right? It is not over. It is just beginning. I'm here to tell you that this might be the first storm or the second storm. But there will be a moment in time when all of a sudden that angel speaks to you. And when that angel speaks to you, you're going to get a revelation. And when you trust in the Lord, you're going to see something break open. And all of a sudden, your faith is going to increase. And when your faith increases, things are going to start to change. Amen? That's what we need. That's what we want. So when I talk about isolation versus integration, I think we're all a little guilty of something. Right? When life shows its ugly side, we have a tendency to what? Isolate, retaliate, right? We pull back a bit, right? Life shows its ugly side, and there's something inside of us that, you know, it begins to get frustrated maybe with people, with functions. All of a sudden, maybe we're, we're skipping family events. Maybe we're skipping church. We're skipping things that we were once part of because all of a sudden life has shown that ugly side. And so there's a tendency in us sometimes to pull back. And so what I'm not saying is pulling back. Like sometimes we need to get healthy, right? So let's get, get this, you know, straight. I'm not saying that that time's not allowed, right? We need to get healthy, right? There are things that happen in our life where we need a little bit of a break, right? How many took holidays this summer? We need that. We need to be rejuvenated, right? So again, spending time with Jesus is not isolating, is it? No, I, I'm not talking about any of that, all right? So those moments are okay, but I'm, I'm talking about something slightly different. And the Lord shared something with me the other day, and, and again, it's, it's one of those things where you get to connect the dots years and years later. Uh, I got saved at 17, right? And I didn't really know nothing about nothing. One thing I knew nothing about was the Christian culture. I knew nothing about it. Right, Jana? You know what I'm talking about. How many of you, you know, did not grow up in the church? Wow, there's a lot of us in this room. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing that these are, these are ones that have been saved by Jesus Christ. They didn't grow up in the church. Jesus found them and saved their lives. That's powerful, right? We need more of that, right? I mean, we went to a district event this year, and there were about 400 of us, and we did the same thing, and two hands went up. And all of a sudden, one of the district people said, that's the problem. Right there. It's just church, that's the problem. It's just us doing all the talking. We need some of the new converts. Let's go find them. Because we're speaking a language. Obviously, they don't understand when there's only two people here. Ouch, I'm just saying. Well... Here's my journey because, you know, Lord, again, this is one of my shipwreck moments, but you don't know it in the moment, right? It's just life. And I remember going to Bible college, and when I first went to Bible college, again, you got to remember I was newly saved, and in my heart, I believed this, and maybe you believe this too, is I believed that when I went to Bible college, everybody was going to love me. I believed that when I walked through the doors, everybody's going to be hugging me. 
This is just going to be a happy family, right? You know, I'm going to have 200 friends because that's how many people went there. I believe that so strongly in my heart. I'm like, I'm so excited to be a Christian, right? I don't have to work on all this stuff because Christians love each other and they care about each other. I can't wait to go to college with all these people. Woohoo! <laughs> Anybody been to Bible college? Anybody going? Yeah, we got a couple going, right? I don't know what your experience was like because maybe some of you grew up in the church culture, so Bible college was normal to you. It was not normal to me. I mean, when I went into Bible college, I was shocked. I mean, all of a sudden, I started to feel lonely. In Bible college, where we're training up leaders to lead churches around the world who are going to change the nations everywhere, right? This is not a knock against Bible college. NBC, if you're watching, or Vanguard, whatever it is today, right? Sorry, Nathan, who's going to Vanguard this year. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. Ben thinks it's a good word. Something started to shift very quickly in my heart, and I realized something. I, I don't understand this culture. I do not know how to function in this culture. Right? Like, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, people are over there in their groups. People are over here. No one will talk to me. I mean, we just had a chapel. We're all laying down at the altar and walk out of here. Not one person says hello to me. I'm lost. I'm, again, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing? All this stuff is going through my head. But I realized something. I didn't behave the same way as these guys. Right? I didn't know anything they knew. Nothing. But what started to happen in my heart is I started to get angry really angry to the point where every day that I drove in man I, I can just hear myself right now I can't stand these people right they annoy me I'm just going to go to class and as soon as class is done I'm going to get out of there I'm going to go to the next class and I'm going to get out of there and when school's done I'm going to get out of there right oh let's talk about that inner world folks it gets ugly for some of you doesn't it right come on I'm being vulnerable today, but you have just as many. Right? Right, Gavin? Come on. I know his stories. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I started to get pretty angry on the inside, and I started chucking a lot of stones. And what I did is this, is I chose to get out of that environment, to leave it. Did not want to be part of it. Let's get my degree and get out of there so I can change the world. Right? So what I do? Went to my safe place. Where was my safe place? Right here. Well, I have football too. That's another story. But I'm going to tell you, right here, at that time in my life, Spruce Grove Community Church was my safe place. Right? I did boys and girls clubs at that time. Barry Rizal did it with me and a few other people. Right? I was part of the young adults. Uh, we had about 75 young adults at the time. I interned here. This was my world. I felt safe here. I had connection here. According to me, I was doing it right. According to me, God, I'm doing what you want. And all of a sudden, one day I'm driving into college and I hear this voice say this. How long are you going to do this for? <laughs> do what? 
I'm angry, and guess what? I had merit to be angry, did I not? Should it be like that? No. It should not. It should not be like that in here either. Right? It just shouldn't be like that. I was right. Kind of. (laughs) Just a little bit. That's right. Just a little bit right, but a lot wrong. And so I remember all of a sudden, Jesus is saying to me, how long are you going to do this for? And all of a sudden, I'm in a wrestling. How many of you have been in those wrestling matches with Jesus, right? I'm in a wrestling match. What are you asking of me? Right? And then the words come to my mind. You're isolating. I want you to integrate. What? I don't want to become like that. As clear as, the Lord's, as clear as the day the Lord said to me, I'm not asking you to conform. I did not say that. I did not say to conform. Integration is not conforming. But I'm going to ask you this, Chris. What are you doing to change it? Is going to your safe place changing it? Well, no, but it feels good. I'm asking you to go in here, and I'm asking you to change it. And if you ask me, I'll give you a revelation of how to do that. The Lord said this to me. You're going to stop spiritualizing your inactivity. You're going to stop spiritualizing your judgment. You're going to stop spiritualizing your apathy. That might hurt a bit. Because we can do that. I did that. I found a way to spiritualize all of my actions and my behavior so I didn't have to do the thing I didn't want to do. Yeah, right? What do I do, Lord? <laughs> Just like Paul had that moment on the boat and an angel spoke to him. I didn't have an angel show up, but I heard the voice begin to tell me. The Lord started to give me a plan. Just like Paul. He gave him a plan. He said, first, get these guys to eat in the midst of the storm. He gave him a plan, right? Get them to eat and throw the stuff off. I mean, it was practical. He gave him a practical plan. He gave me a practical plan. And he said, guess what? You're going on the inside. And you need to bring change. What does that mean? You're going to join student council. What? (laughs) Student council? No, I'm a sports guy. Right? I'm not going on student council. No, you're going to go on student council. And you're going to change this. You're going to make sure that nobody that comes into the school feels alone. You're going to create systems and things in this place where people feel welcome. You're going to love them. You're going to walk with them, and you're going to teach others to do it. I'm 19. Jeremiah was 19 too at one point. God said, it's time to go in. It's time to make some changes. And, you know, I went in there. And all of a sudden, I started sharing some ideas. So, yeah, we did some stuff. We started football things. We started different sports groups. But we started something after school, which was just a connecting point. Connecting point for first year, second year, third years, and fourth years. And all of a sudden, this connecting point started to grow and grow and grow and grow. I've never seen a year where the college had so much unity. Then I realized something. God can change a culture. But I was part of that culture. He didn't just change them. He changed me. Okay? That's very important to understand here is he didn't just change them. So I'm walking around saying I was the one right and they were all wrong. I'm not saying that. I was wrong too. And so God changed a culture. 
I watched it. It was beautiful. It was one of the best years of my life. One of the best years of my life seeing what God would do. And then he brought something to my attention. He said, you forgot about one thing. And I'm like, what's the one thing? He goes, you got a gift from that moment too. And I was like, oh, what's the gift? And I should know this. <laughs> and he reminded me one day when I was sitting upstairs playing games with a whole bunch of the students. And then a young girl walked into that room and sat down by the name of Jennifer Bodie. This is the first time I talked to her was inside that room. That day I looked over to her and huge pickup line. Do you want to go for a walk? <laughs> That's the one, boys. It worked, obviously, right? But let me tell you something. The Lord said this to me. Your obedience opened a door. If you would have chose to isolate, you never would have met her. I mean, when we honor the Lord, those gifts, the desires of our heart, they begin to come. It's what he does. Right? So there is a, there is a challenge here, right? Is I know you're in a realm. I know you're in a world. And the Lord's actually asking you not to isolate from it when it bothers you or frustrates you. I mean, when we look around today, there's a temptation within us just to isolate from the world. But that is not the solution. It is not. I want to talk a little bit more about that. How much time? I still have time. Good. You know, I think sometimes we have an issue, and our issue is this, is we have identity amnesia. <laughs> Right? We forget who we are. Right? There's someone in the Bible who had the same issue. I'm not going to go through the full story, but I'm going to share some of it. All of us know Elijah in chapter uh, of 1 Kings, uh, chapter 18 and chapter 19. Right? Most of us know the story, but I know some of us don't. It's actually a powerful story. Right? Got to take my glasses off now. But in chapter 18, you know, Elijah has this kingdom God moment, right, where he challenges the prophets of Baal, right, to a fire-building contest, right? If you don't know this story, please go home today and read chapter 18 and 19 because I want you to get this into your heart, all right? So he challenges them to this contest, and of course, when they try to build the fire, it doesn't work, and when Elijah doses a whole bunch of water on it and all this stuff, what happens? Big fire starts up, right? And then, of course, they kill all the prophets of Baal. And what is Elijah? He hears some news. What's the news he hears? He hears about Jezebel. That Jezebel's coming after him, and Jezebel wants to kill him. So I'm not going to get into all of chapter 19, but if you get into there, something happened inside of Elijah in that moment. Something shifted in his heart. Right? This is that shipwreck moment again when something happens that's not good, right? When something hard is happening in life, right? Like I was in college. It was hard in the moment. The temptation, I'm going to go find my safe place right here. And I'm going to spiritualize just staying there for the rest of my life. Well, Elijah gets to this point in verse 4 where he says this. He says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. 
Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father. Then a little later on in verse 9, verse 9 it says, and there he went into a what? He went into a cave. Yeah, we know this story. And spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's almost the same message. What are you doing, Chris? Right? How many of you have heard that voice? Right? (laughs) Only three of you. That's amazing. You guys are doing great in life. So cool. You get up here and preach. Uh, Verse 13, I'm going to skip over there, and it says, So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said again the same thing, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I am left alone, and they seek to take my life. You know, I read that, and it made me think of our world today. Doesn't it not make you think of our world a bit today? Of what's going on? And the temptation of the church is to pull back sometimes and hide. You know, uh, again, I, I was born in 73, so I don't, I don't claim to be, you know, the most educated on this, and some of you are more educated than me, right? But I know from studying in the 50s all the way up to 65 were some of the most amazing years in the church. If you want to look at church growth, look at the 50s and the early 60s. Church growth was through the roof, especially in the United Church and the Anglican Church. Right? It was growing in leaps and bounds. And all of a sudden, the year 65 took place. In the year 65 into the 70s, something shifted. Right? And when that shift came in, all of a sudden, some fear came into the church. Right? All of a sudden, culture was pushing back. All of a sudden, the enemy was not just sitting there taking it. Right? All of a sudden... People were coming into power saying, we don't want any more prayer in the schools. We don't want any more teaching of the Bible in the schools. Things started to shift in the culture, right? You know, I I just found this out too. I met with Ken Solbrecken, who was one of our senior pastors just this last week. You know, and he told me when he was senior pastor here, he was in our schools here in Spruce Grove teaching the Bible, right? Like today I teach the Heroes program, but I mean... You know, we can't bring the Bible in. I mean, they'll kick me out in two seconds, right? He was in our schools in Spruce Grove teaching the Bible, right? But something began to shift in our culture. And the church started to do something, something similar to what I did, right? Is, well, let's go to our church. It's safe here. The world is going to hell, right? Almost the same concept. Let's find our safe place. So we pulled ourselves out of culture. And when we pulled ourselves out of culture, all of a sudden the influence in culture was lost. You can read on this. Something began to shift as the church isolated from the culture instead of integrating in the culture. Again, not conforming to the culture, transforming the culture from within is what he wants to do. Right? 
Is this heavy? Okay. It's good medicine? I like that. All right. Ah, do I want to get into this? <laughs> do I? Do I really? You know, there were consequences for the church, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through these a little bit quickly because there were, there were consequences to these actions, right? When the church began to pull back, how many of you remember the movies like A Thief Like a Night and all those ones, right? Remember all of them? It was all the rapture ones, right? I mean, it was the big thing when I came into the church. Man, I heard that message a billion times, right? I had Mormon friends and everybody else, and this was the message I told them, is that if I disappear, get on your knees and ask Jesus to get into your heart because the rapture's coming soon. That was my message, right? I watched all those movies. Well, there is going to be a time, right? There is. But part of the reason a lot of that came out was this is, he's going to come back and save us. He's already saved you. He wants to rule and reign with you. He wants to rule from sea to shining sea. He wants to have them all, and he wants us to be part of this journey. That's what he wants. What was the result of some of this stuff? Oh, my goodness. I'll give you five. I shared this a little bit uh, a few Sundays ago, but number one is this, is the world is separated into secular and spiritual. That needs to end. Spiritual activities included going to church, singing, preaching, teaching, Sunday school, reading the Bible, praying and giving the offering. Monday to Sunday, however, were considered secular activities. Problem. Big problem. Why does the world change? If that's our mindset, that's why. Number two. Believers see little or no purpose in their secular lives. I don't know if you feel that way. Okay? But I'm going to say this. Since being spiritual is limited to activities performed at church, believers aren't encouraged to excel in their, their, their secular lives. Again, not conforming. But you know something we do as a church all the time, and I've talked about this a bit with our team, is, you know, when a missionary is going to go somewhere or we have people going overseas, what do we do? We commission them. We lay our hands on them, right? When someone's going to be in charge or whatever, sometimes we lay hands on them. One thing we don't do is actually commission people to go out into the world every single day. We don't give it the attention it needs and it deserves because every single day you're going into these places and we have not equipped you. We have not prayed for you. We have not commissioned you. I pray right now that God would just begin to coach your hearts and your mind with the strategies of the king so that when you go into these realms, you won't be filled with hate, despair, discouragement, and wanting to run from life. I pray that God will shift your heart that as you go into these environments, all of a sudden, something changes. And feeling like you're welcome isn't the thing that matters the most. Changing that environment is what matters the most entrenching yourself in it to the point where you're the one that's doing exactly the thing Paul did. You know have the answers. You know have the solution because you're asking him first and foremost. You're seeking his face, saying, God, show me, show me, show me, show me. Three shipwrecks later, he figures it out. Figure it out. Sorry, I think I spit on Ken. Amen. 
Did I get you? Just missed. Whew. Next time. <laughs> yeah. Number three, believers avoid investing themselves in the culture. Connecting with our neighbors, non-existent. I'm telling you, this stuff didn't just all of a sudden show up in our hearts. It happened over time because of things that took place. Why give my attention and energy to something that is considered ungodly? Well, there's a scripture I'm going to read to you out of Matthew 5, verse 15. Those, this isn't the scripture yet, but I'll read this statement. It says, those who stay safely isolated behind the church walls, avoiding the culture rather than engaging it, feel they have made the godly choice. In this situation, we end up hiding our light under what? A bushel basket. Matthew 5.15 says, Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It is a great verse. The fourth one, I didn't really want to get into this. I don't know if I'll say too much, but it really started the degradation process in the church. What I mean by that is this. It's in 1991, the United Church and the Anglican Church were at almost 14% of Christianity. Today, they're at 3.8%. They believe by the year 2040, they will be extinct for sure, if not sooner. Something shifted. We've experienced some of this. If you notice something as a church, we've changed throughout time. Have you noticed that? I mean, some of us that have been here, it's like we've been to seven churches, but it's the same church. Why? Because we're not afraid of the change. Change is necessary. Our slogan cannot be, we're going to do this because we've always done it. No, 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 no. What does God want to do today? And we have been a church who has asked him that. And he's taken us through seasons. Seasons where we were very evangelical. We were outreach teamed like all the time. He took us into a season where it was just full prophetic because as a church we shut down the prophetic for years. And God is saying, don't you know I need all of this? Right? I've shared this before. Right? He wants us operating on five cylinders, not one. Right? I mean the fivefold. It's not just one of them. It's five of them. Five cylinders. When we're operating on one, We're barely moving. Last one here is the culture, the cultures of our cities and nations continue their moral slide. That's what we're seeing. In this environment, in the environment of isolation, both sides lose. The church decays on the inside and the culture decays on the outside. We need to see our secular lives as an extension of the kingdom of God. Right? In order to make change, in order to shift, we have to see that. Well, what's the solution, Jim? Got the answer? David? (laughs) What's the solution, church? I don't know if I fully have one. Other than this, we need a revelation from God. For your personal journey, you need a revelation from God. Isolating 
is not your solution. Hiding is not your solution. That's the enemy's plan. God, give us your revelation. Give us your revelation. And I know this, it's to become salt and light. Right? This happens when individual Christians understand how to be in the world, but not of the world. Right? And this is the thing I want to close on today, is John 17. Most of us know this. Let me grab it. It's a beautiful passage. First of all, it's when Jesus prays over the disciples, and then after that, he prays for all believers. But I want to read verse, I'm in the New King James Version here. Uh, Verse 13. Not the one I want right now. Yep. Verse 13, it says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the word has hated, and the world has hated them. Sound familiar? For they are not of the world anymore that I am of the that than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Can we pause there for a second? God, my prayer right now for this church is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That we do not conform to the ways of the world, but we actually begin to transform the world that we're in. God, show us how to do that. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I, sanct- for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. We got to catch that, folks. We can't isolate. We've been sent into the world to bring change into the world. That's the call of the church. It's the Great Commission. It's what we're called to do. I do want to read the rest of this here, though, from verse 20 to 23. I think it's important. Jesus is now praying for all believers, and this is what he says. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's praying for the unsaved, right, right there, okay? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He needs them. He needs the people like me. The people like Gavin, the ones that put their, the people that didn't know him. He needs us, right? Our testimony is so vital because I've tasted the other side. But I've come out of that side. I know which one's better. May, uh, I'll, go, I'll start in 21 here again. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Isn't that powerful? That's when they'll know. We can't be looking 
into other places for the meaning of life. It's only Jesus. That's it. That's it. And he has a strategy and he has a plan. I want to pray for this church because I know that where you guys are going tomorrow is important. It's vital to all of this starting to happen. Right? The Sunday two hours isn't enough. It's us transforming the world. Let's just stand to our feet. Right now, I just want you, like, for those of you, I know you're going to a job tomorrow. I want you to raise your hand because I just want to pray a commissioning over you. I want to pray, again, it doesn't matter if you're going to a job, if you're going to something where you're going to influence. Whatever you're doing in your world today, I I don't know. Nathan, you're, you're going to be going to Bible college. That's your world today. And May, you've got kids. That, that's your world right now. Right? Drew, you've got the media world. Jen, I mean, she's in this, the counseling world where there's so many people at the doorsteps right now. Some of you are in the construction business. Let me tell you, those same people that you're walking by every day need something to shift in their lives. Some of you are real estate agents. Some of you work on computers. Some of you are in prayer groups all over the place, maybe tomorrow. Some of you are going to be in school. Yeah. Some of you are going to be with maybe four or five people. Maybe you're going for coffee with some family. I don't know. But I know you're going to be somewhere. And God, right now, this is my prayer that you would commission each of us in this house for the work of the ministry, Father. Father, that our heart would cry out for what your heart is crying out for. Father, that we would hear what you're saying in John 17. When we get these people saved and changed, they're part of this. God, show us how to transform our environment. Whether our hands in someone's gutter tomorrow, right, Jeremy? It, It doesn't matter whether we're a police officer, whether we're working for the homeless, Father, show us, show us, whether we're teaching music lessons. God, give us the strategy. Give us the plan. I pray right now for revelation to begin to answer the hearts. Nothing else. Revelation, God, into every situation. Let it fall upon us, Jesus. Right now. Give us your heart. God, help us to put aside those things that we need to put aside. It's you. That's it. Do you have something, Jen? A a number of years ago, um, 
I was in this prophetic meeting and we were meant to sort of close our eyes and see a picture of Jesus coming to us. And the picture that I saw was Jesus holding a cup to my lips and um, pouring it in my mouth. And we were both laughing so hard. And there was like water from the cup, like pouring down my front. And we were laughing our heads off. And at the time, I felt like the Lord had told me that he was going to give me a cup of grace and a cup of joy that I could drink from right from his hand. And I just saw that picture showing up in the room today. And so you, you folks here, this commissioning that Chris is praying over you, Oh, he is extending a cup of grace and a cup of joy to you. This is not going to be a burden. This is not going to be overwhelming. might be a little intimidating at times. But, oh, man, look at Jesus holding up the cup of grace and joy right to your lips. And I just say, drink, 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 drink until you're full and overflowing, until you're so full of grace until you're so full of the beauty of Jesus, until you're so full of the joy of the Holy Spirit, until you're so full, full, full of the light of Christ that it just spills out and fills the spaces that you're in. And so, God, we just drink from that cup right now. We just drink, we drink, we drink, and we're satisfied. You are the light of the world. The light is in this room, and the light is in us, and it overcomes the darkness. And whenever we step into any situation, we can drink from your cup, and we can offer that cup, and it is enough for this time, for this season, for whatever we're facing, for whatever we're stepping into. And so with this commissioning, we receive that cup to our lips. With this commissioning, we receive the fullness of joy that is in the kingdom of God. With this commissioning, we receive the grace that is sufficient unto the day that we have appointed, we've been appointed unto. I thank you, Jesus, that the finished work of the cross is in that cup and we can drink from it. And you know, there's healing in that finished work. There's power in that finished work. There's abundance in that finished work. There's language in that finished work. There's grace. Oh God, we thank you so much that we're not going out into the world empty, unequipped. We have everything we need. And we drink from it today, Lord, and we thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. I just want to speak identity into the body here. And it's mostly out of Ephesians chapter 1. It says we are sealed in the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Sanctified, saved, glorified, justified in Him. You are my workmanship set out beforehand. And so Lord, if we've been staying here and not quite believing the full identity that You did on the cross... For us, Lord, forgive us, Lord, where we've spent a lifetime in, in, in getting to believe this, believe it. We believe it today. We believe it right now, Lord, to affect a nation, to affect a culture, Lord, that we would go and he says, you are fully equipped to do my good work. 
You are fully equipped. Say that in your heart. I am fully equipped to do his work. And so, Lord, would you, would you actually change any selfish salvation that we have within our hearts? And we would turn and say, what would you have us do? Since we are so fully equipped, so fully alive, you know what? The hope of glory is Christ in us. The anointed one, the Messiah, is in our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, where we've turned that tap off. And religion has situated itself in and a separation and a splintered has happened, Lord. We say, Lord, we agree with who you say we are to go in and take what is yours to take what is yours, Lord, that you would electrify this body today, Lord, that we wouldn't just come in here and say, praise you, God, and turn the tap off the moment we hit Century Road. We say, Lord, pour more, pour more, pour more in this body, Lord. Pour, Lord, give us a new song. Give us a new song, Lord. Give us a new heart, Lord exchange exchange our hearts of stone for hearts of flesh that would feel again Lord to take a nation and Lord forgive us if we have isolated and brought religion to that place we say Lord we will go we would be like Isaiah that says send me send me for I feel what you have done in my life It's not up to the pastors. It's not up to our leadership. They have just instructed what the Lord has given them. So an army. You know what it says in Joel? It says you will leap mountains, scale walls, march in step, never out of rank, and that you would rend your hearts and not your garments. You know what that is? It's a humility that says, I'm with you, Lord. This is the army you are forming. Would you send us forth, Lord, as the commander in Jesus' mighty name? Can I give a quick testimony? I just felt all morning as you were, I just had to share this. So yesterday I was prompted, we were in Edmonton, I was prompted to go speak to this guy that was sitting there asking for money. And so I went over there and... I just laid my hands on him and I prayed for him and he said, I can, I feel chills all over. Like he's feeling the Holy Spirit. And when he left us, I I was talking to him, I prayed for him, I asked him if he knew Jesus, he said he did and he said, thank you, thank you so much for coming over, you've changed my day. And it was, I mean, we were just so humbled and grateful and say, thank you, God, that we could be a blessing today to somebody. And then I had a dream last night. And in my dream, and well, when I was talking to this man, I could feel his shoulders. And he was so skinny. You know, he was just underneath. He was just a shell of a man. And there was just so much going on in his life. But then last night I had a dream. And I was dreaming about my son, Benjamin. And when I was hugging him, because he wasn't in a good way, and I was hugging him, and he was so skinny, he was so skinny. And in his waist, it was so small. I'm like, Ben, what's wrong? Just come to Jesus. You know, there's, there's hope in Jesus. 
There's love in Jesus. And I, I woke up this morning after that dream, and I said, God, what was that about? Do I have to pray for Ben? What's going on with Ben? And he's like, that was, can you imagine that man that you spoke to yesterday? That was my son. That was my son. So all these people that we see in the world, can we see them as God's son and God's daughter? And can we have the heart for them and pray for them that they would feel the anointing of the Holy One, the mighty God, that they would be touched because of our obedience. And I didn't feel anything when I was praying for him. I didn't feel chills. I wasn't powerful, but he felt it. Because we have the anointed one in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Christ, the anointed one. And all I did was lay hands on him and pray for him. We can all do that. I was thinking, how many people do we see on the street corner who are sitting there? They're asking for it. They are asking for hope. We have the answer. So thank you, God. Lord, I just pray for everyone for divine appointments. Divine appointments for every one of us. That we would be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit and just pray for them. And Lord, you are in us and you are going to touch them. We know it. We believe it. We believe it. We got one more prayer. I just want you to... I'm going to come over to you. Oh, my God. Have a mercy on us, oh, God. We don't want to go out, oh, God, with a good idea. We don't want to go out with resolutions and our emotions high. Lord God, today we want to feel the touch of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to raise your hands again. I want you all to raise your hands again. We all go out in the world, and the world is not fun. Oh, my God, here we are. How many times have we been ashamed of you? How many times have we turned aside? How many times did we look the other way? And, Lord God, how many times have we denied you? So many times, oh, God. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and light us on fire. I pray, Father, that we would see a transformation, that we would no longer be like Peter sneaking around and lying about you, but that we would be a Peter who could stand up in the middle of throngs of people who hated him and declare the living Holy God. Oh, my God, I pray, Father, that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us. I'm asking, oh, God, again, for fire to come upon us. I'm asking you. Lord God to send us out we long God to hold your name up we long to be people who will not deny your name we long to be a people who will speak truth whether it's in season or out we long oh God to see you glorified. We want to be signs and wonders. Oh, Father, we ask that you would light us on fire. I'm asking you, Lord God, that we would be willing to be hated. I'm asking you, Lord God, that we would be willing to be different. I'm asking you, Lord God, that we'd really be willing to speak truth, whether it's accepted or not. I'm asking you, oh God, that we would see thousands coming. I'm asking you, oh God, that we would learn to love you so much that nothing would matter. I'm asking you, God, set us on fire. 
I know we're past, but this is the very thing we need to be able to do, is to be a body. God lays it on our heart to pray, we pray. I'm thankful for this body. And we need this body to do what he's called us to do. We need each of you. Next week, we're doing our pancake thing. I know it's pancakes. Some of you may not even like it. One of the keys to our journey going forward is we need to build relationship with each other. We don't do these things just to do them. When we have relationship with each other, we can go further. We can go deeper. Faith will be built. And so I'm going to ask you to try to prioritize it. Let's be together as families we go into this season. Let's see what our king wants to do. But I'm honored to be able to do it with you guys. So bless you. Who? Michael, you got someone? We got time for one more. Come on, let's hear from our younger guys. Come on. Um, so on Friday, I was going to put this down on here. Um, I was having a conversation with Mike, one of my coworkers. Because it started off actually, he's like, Michael, you're very, like, chill. I'm like, I don't really see that in myself at all. Just compared to, I guess, everyone else in the company I am, other than Paul. If you didn't know, Paul and I work together. Um, anywho, so he started talking, and he asked me this question about, like, what's the difference between Catholics and what I believe as a Christian? And I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, like, I don't, I'm bad at this. So I'm like, I did my best, and kind of, but then him and I just started talking about Christianity and stuff like that. Then eventually it got to the point where he said, he's like, I don't believe in anything because I OD'd. And when I OD'd, I saw nothing. And Hollywood kind of tells me, I know you don't fully believe in Hollywood, but it tells you, like, you always see a light or you always see something when you die. So I know there's nothing waiting for me on the other side when I die because God is not real. And I, after he said that, we had a little bit more. Then I also just had this thought come in my head, and I said it. And I was like, what if the reason why you have a second chance is so you can actually find something on the other side? And so he's like, I've never thought of it like that. So we kind of kept talking. He's like, so what do I do? I'm like, ask to see him. Like, that's the only thing I had was just ask. So the thing I feel like doing is just praying for him, if that's okay, family. So, Lord, just lift up Robin. I'm said his name. I don't care. God. wants you so bad. <laughs> he's seen things that are not good. Like, he described him as ghosts and terrified. Like, he's been scared from all, seeing these weird things, God. God, I just ask that you show him you. God, reveal yourself to Robin. Whenever he asks that question, God, are you real? Will you just show up and be real to him, God? God, show him the things that I cry out for for myself. God, I want to see your face. Show him your face, God. I want him to see your eyes of fire that burn with compassion for him. God, reveal yourself to him. Because God, once he finds you, 
That's all that matters. You're all that matters, God. So reveal yourself to him. You know, they say right now in Canada that 37% of our nation is atheist, agnostic, or don't believe in a God. That's about to change. I declare that that's about to change. Right? Let salvation fall on every one of those doorsteps in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Be encouraged. Shake someone's hand before you go. We'll see you next Sunday.